What's good everyone and welcome to the audio version of The Man Cave Live. The Man Cave is a podcast where two men are having a genuine conversation with the world as an audience. For those who do not know, this is a platform that is live on Instagram every Thursday at 9pm and new episodes are released on a weekly basis. For the strictly audio listeners, don't worry, exclusive content is coming your way. And if you want to join the conversation live and be in the mix, follow me on Instagram at IamMaxVillaCruz. Enjoy this episode. How are you, brother? I'm doing great. Yourself? Man, I'm fantastic. It's good to see you, man. I appreciate you having me. I'm hey, I appreciate you at, uh, accepting the, the, uh, the invitation. So I'm really, I'm really thankful for that, man. Thank you very much. Oh, it's a, ple- it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure, man. A, pr- a pleasure, privilege, and honor. Uh, likewise, likewise. Hands to check out, check out your work, man, and absolutely loving what it is that you're doing and how you're adding, adding Thank value you. in this space. You said something spectacular a second ago. A lot of content, but not a lot of substance. So it's good to see that you are yeah. adding substance to the conversation. I love it. I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best, man. <laughs> so before I get into any questions, how is South Florida treating you right now? Oh man, I can't complain. I got a chance to enjoy the water a little bit today and grab some meat. Well, I ain't go to the, I didn't get in the water, but I sat out by the water and ate it. Got a chance to think, study, plan. I got away from Atlanta for a few days. I'm actually heading yeah. back to Atlanta this week, so. <laughs> That's I good. Love it. Yeah. I see, I see you were enjoying yourself. So I was like, yeah, man, I wish I could be there too, man. Hey, so. man. Nothing like a good crab cake by the water. <laughs> <laughs> agree, agree, agree. Can't say no to that, man. Can't say no to that, man. So, 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 listen. Like, I have a couple of questions that that I want to ask you, but I want to keep it like a a cool conversation. It's it's nothing politically correct. So it's like the bank case. So it's like two guys talking to each other. So we have to be real about anything that that, that we discuss, and we just we just keep it real. But I know you you won't have any problem with that. Man. Absolutely, that's all I know how to do. Yes, good, man. So first question that I wanted to ask you. Can you define what is a mental real estate agent? <laughs> hey, you've been, you've been doing your homework. I love it. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I, I tell people all the time that, that I'm in a different space or a different game, so to speak. Some people mm-hmm. are about things that are faddish. Uh, some people about likes, comments. What I'm about is what I refer to as mental real estate. It is where you own the space in someone's mind when they think of a particular thing. You know, so okay. when you think it's, it's where you're a thought leader, that's the best way to word it. So when you think of relationship, typically, you know, it might be somebody that stands out in your mind. But the first thing somebody asks you when they think of love is what's your love language? Well, that's Chapman. When you think mm-hmm. of leadership, people think of John Maxwell. When they think of basketball right now, LeBron's in the conversation. He owns mental real estate in people's mind. So years ago, I started thinking. Man, forget just some faddish messages. What are the things that people can take me with them that that's not selfish, it's not branding, it's not about marketing. It is about a thing that that they find valuable they can take through life with them. That's what mental real estate is. This is where you you own a space in someone's head. When they think of that industry, think of, and it's not just thinking about your profession. It's where they can take something from you, and it guides the way they live their life. It guides the way they see things. It guides the way they live. It's like, man, I remember when I heard this and it altered everything. I'll say this quickly. You know, you remember everything by what I call person, place, and power. You know, so mm-hmm. you'll say, hey I, hey, I remember when I was watching, you're going to say David Shan's podcast, and I saw 
Mark, so David Shans is a person, the place is his podcast, and then the power is what you remember. And you mentioned real, mental real estate. Hmm. Everybody has their whole life's memories guided around that. If you start thinking about what if you can greatly impact people, give them one piece of information they can take through life with them and alters the way that they can perform in life, makes them a better husband, a better friend, a better businessman, helps them with their health. If you can do that, they'll never forget you. That's what I'm about. How do I improve the quality of people's life by owning a space that helps them at least pause to think for a second? Mm. Yeah. Ah, that's so. That's dope. Um, one of the things that 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 uh, when I did some research is that um, I think on your last semester of college you decided to drop out and go into real estate, right? Yeah. Why? Um, and I'll be honest with you, I I, I feel like I am. I mentally, and my, I got this from my good friend and brother, my friend Tornillo, I'm mentally unemployable. Like I've always thought in a very different way, you know, the idea of someone determining and deciding how much they pay me just never felt felt right with me. So, so for me, <laughs> yeah, so for me, all my friends were older. I graduated high school, I was um, 15 going into 16. My friends were 19, 20. So you have to think, when I'm in college, they've already graduated. They're in their careers. They're in their professions. And I'm saying none of them are happy. I'm saying that none of them, none of their lifestyles are in a position of what we dreamed about when we were kids. And I still remember, but they forgot what they said they wanted. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yo, this is not what we said we wanted. All right, man, on Friday, I can do this. Like, so you can't do nothing during the week. No, I got to get this report. And I had friends that were doing great jobs. Corporate AT&T, they were buyers for companies, traveling all over the place had the laptop, the little nice bins, you know, but they still didn't have location independence of freedom. They couldn't get up and go whenever they wanted. They had to report to someone. And I mm. remember the day I said to a homeboy, man, I had traveled from Tallahassee to Atlanta and he was saying, saying how he couldn't do something because he had to work. I said, bro, do you remember when we was in high school, we would have to ask our parents and they could say yes or no. I said, bro, you just had to ask your boss permission to do wow. something with me and you grown. He laughed, but and then in the same breath, it made me think, I don't want that. So I started making money early in real estate, you know, and from there, I kind of just decided, and I, I want to bet on me. I want to bet on me. I'm from Panama City, Florida. You know, I've been, I remember selling juleps. I don't know if you know that. I, frozen cups. I used to, okay. you know what I'm saying? Frozen cups. Right? I remember selling, we call them frozen cups or juleps, or some people call them sucker babies. You know, so we started... Well, I started selling those. I sold do-rags. I sold gold caps, mixed CDs, because I was the only oh, guy in the neighborhood who had the fir that first little CD run where you can burn CDs. Yeah, then that was wild. I used to sell that inspired by cologne. The cologne that it wasn't real cologne. It was like <laughs> inspired by. <laughs> so when you asked me what made me make the decision, I realized mm. I was entrepreneurial before I knew what entrepreneurship was. Mm. My mom gave me $10. I always found something to, to spend the 10 on and sell it. She said it. She's like, I know you got some money. You know, so you got to think I had a motorcycle. I had a car. I bought my first house at 19. I've always, I got $20. My mother and father were pastors. I take the 20, go to Sam's with my mother. I buy candy, vienna sausage, the little cheese, cheese sticks, the Capri Suns, and, and whatever else I had. And from that, from $20 used to make me a hundred and something dollars a week as a, a 10, 11 year old. That's a lot right. of money. As, you know? For real, yeah. Right. So like, I, I didn't know no other way. My conditioning was around, okay, I got to finish school. But I'm like, but what do I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was like, what's the point? I don't know what I want to do. 
-hmm. I look now and I say, had I finished, would it have altered my life? Probably. It would have rocked me to sleep at a career path, right? Possibly. You know, so I look up now and what I made, what I used to make at Florida State when I was working for Florida State, you know, I put my book out and I I made that in a month. (laughs) You know, so imagine what someone paid me for a year of my time I made in a month without exchanging any of my time. Man, that's the way to go, man. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's a long, that's a long answer, but that's the answer. No, but that's that, that's good, man. It's good to know the the details and all, because sometimes people are looking at like they can look at your profile and they're like, oh, well, that was easy. He just did X, Y, Z, and he did it. But there's a lot of hard work, sacrifices, ups and downs that in between all of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you 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 brought up uh, your mom. So your mom, um, from my research, you mentioned that she was a pastor, but she was also coaching and teaching at a school, right? That was an hour away from where you lived. Yep. So seeing her at a young age, being able to juggle all of that family coaching, being a pastor at a church, did that at a young age drive you to, you know, I, I got to do things on my own? Or did it only hit you? later during your entrepreneurship? Um, so both of my parents are entrepreneurial. Both of them are pastors. Both of them were in the real estate. So they would make us go with them to buy properties. I didn't understand it, but she used to teach me amortization statements and how it works and earnest money and escrow and equity. You know, so at a young age, my mother added me on her American Express. So if you, I still have a couple of American Express, but it, on mine, it says member since 1999. Well, I graduated high school in 2001. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> it added it added to my profile and it taught me on credit etc what my mother used to say all the time there's nothing in life worse than a lazy man that's <laughs> our own, see, I, i'll never forget it the way she would say it with such disgust like there ain't nothing in life worse than a lazy man that stuck with me my father would say you know as a pastor he had a mm. lot of pastor friends that were lazy he said the day that you the day that you are paid to serve people and you and the people spend more time at their work at their job than you do preparing to serve them, get a job. You know, because you're taking advantage of them. They're, they yeah. are taking from their resources to fund for you to be prepared for them and you chilling. So the moment they do that, get a job. So with both of them having these statements, it established for me this idea of, you know, work ethic. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 my ongoing thing now is my work ethic matches my prayer life. I don't pray for what I ain't ready to work for. You know, <laughs> it, it matches. I got big prayers and, and, and don't mind working working for it and proving that, that I'm ready for what I'm praying for, for what I'm asking for. So it shaped me as a child that I got to figure this thing out. I grew up in Panama City, Florida, man. I keep telling people it's dirt roads. The airport has one has one gate. Like now they've expanded, but it had one. So when people say, when you're flying out, you was flying out of gate one. That's it. Wasn't no other gate. <laughs> There's no <laughs> no plane. I I went. I, no plane I've ever flown on as a child had an actual tarmac or weighted or or overhead or first class with those little ten twelve seaters where you could never check put your bag in the overhead. You always had to check it and pick it up at the at wow. at the foot of the plane. My graduating class had five people in it. Yeah. So you when wow. you talk about somebody who's traveled now. 39, almost 40, well, 39, 40 countries speaking and training. When you talk about learning business at a high level and consulting contracts, that's different, man. I'm not from that. I'm from a very different context. So when, so the experiences that I've had, I had to be a sponge and soak things up and learn and meet people like my guy who just chimed in now, Money, 
Money Morel. He's a phenomenal finance guy. I met, I met him at a mastermind in Bali. So when oh, I think okay. about the people that I met and where I met them and what we've been able to do and what what he's taught me in taxes. And I, I didn't understand how taxes work. I'm a small, small town guy. What are you talking about? Business credit. Like, yeah. we wasn't taught that coming up. No. <laughs> yeah. True. Wow. Okay. Um, I saw you somewhere that you said that after the real estate, uh, well, after the real estate, like um, a little bit, once the, the, the market crashed a little bit, you realized after, I think in the span of five days, you had lost all your income uh, your, <laughs> that were coming in and your revenue streams. But you said that you were, you had money, but you were not successful. Yeah. Right. What, do you, what did you mean by that? Because I yeah. thought, in my knowledge, I thought, like, well, if you have money, you're successful because nah. you're generating money. No, having money, in, in my opinion, having money and being successful are not one and the same. You know, some people are so poor, all they have is money. You know, so when, you, you, when you're in a position to where you don't know who you are, you don't know your identity, you have to use your money to pay for confidence, mm, you know, okay. to, to hide things where you no longer drive a car. It's those people who say, yeah, I'm driving the Benz. Well, yeah, you're driving a car. Hey, hand me my MacBook. Uh, you mean your laptop? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh man, okay. You know, so I always believe in the notion of when you don't know who you are, you tell people what you have. When you don't have a lot, you tell people who you know. When you don't know a lot of people, you tell you tell people what you do. <laughs> you know, so it's That's all these things that differ from who you are. So when I say I was never successful, I just had money. I generated income, but I was immature and insecure. I didn't know who I was, what I was going to do out of life. I had a, a, I had skill sets that was working for me that I didn't know how to work them. So I didn't know how to reproduce the success or train it. So now if, you, if you're around me and you criticized or critiqued anything, you were dead in the water. Like, I can't even rock with you no more. You were, you were, it's like people who think anyone who has a difference of opinion is hating. That's immaturity. That's true. You're, you're looking for everybody in your life to, to, in essence, vote on how dope you are. So I think that success and, and its core it's not money. Money's a moving finish line. You're rich if somebody's poor. You're poor if somebody's rich. What Jay-Z said, what's 50 grand to it? Like me, can you please remind me? <laughs> well, Jay-Z, you ain't got to remind me what 50 grand is. But that's relative. So somebody's rich if somebody's poor. Somebody may, I'll give you a great example of, of why I say success is relative. Mm -hmm. my one of my mentors talked to me about how they have one of their slowest months. I was like, oh, man. He said, yeah. He said, we did maybe 12 million, something like that last month. Now, now you hear how we hear it, how we, how we feel it. He said that was a slowest month, and that they probably gonna start downsizing. Now I'm thinking twelve mil in a month, <laughs> twelve million a year. I'm happy, right? Yeah. So I say that to say, success is defined for every person. You're rich as somebody's poor. You're poor as somebody's rich. So to the person, to the person who's saying, if I ever make a hundred thousand dollars. Well, I, I've been, I don't say this, I've been blessed to have, I've done it, well, I've done a hundred grand. You know what I mean? Not in a year, but in my first hundred grand I did in six months. So that's not my aspiration anymore. Yeah. That's why I say you're rich as someone's poor, you're poor as someone's rich. I got friends who do a hundred K a month. I got some to do a hundred K a week. So when I'm, when I'm talking about that, it's for people to define it for themselves. And some people, success is not money because Steve Jobs died being rich with no health. So who's really successful? The person who has multi-millions, who has a, a 20 bedroom house but can't sleep, so he has a, has a drink, smoke, or take pain pills? Is it the person who has 20 cars but no place to go because their friends hate them? 
You know what I'm saying? Is the person <laughs> is the person who got 50 chicks but can't find love? It it's defined by what you what it is that you want. So I know people who can run a Fortune 500 company with 50 employees but can't manage a house with a wife and two kids. <laughs> That's a successful failure. That's real. To be successful in the areas that don't matter for people you pay. But what are you to somebody that you don't pay that has no incentive? Who are you if I stripped all your money? If you couldn't tell me what you are, when life hits you, you can't reach in a closet. You can't grab keys to a car. You can't reach in a bank account. You got to reach inside yourself. Success is the value that you have if everything was taken away. Let me say it again. Wow. Success is the value of what you have left when everything is taken away. So can, if you can't reach inside of yourself and pull out something to create the life that you want, not just for you, but for other people, you're poor. <laughs> the poorest <laughs> people in the world are those who have nothing inside of themselves to give. I, can I make one last statement? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. The, I tell people all the time when it, when it comes to me or what I truly believe, the cheapest thing I have is money. The, the, the cheapest thing I have is money. The, the reason why I say that, the cheapest thing I have is money, because money is attracted to ideas that are executed. So when we talk about when we talk about money, like really in essence, what money in essence does is buy someone's idea. You and I are on Instagram. It is the platform of someone's idea. If we pay for ads, if we buy a hat, if we buy a shirt, if we buy an iPhone, if we buy beats, if we buy a cell phone, if we buy a laptop, if we buy a book, we work to purchase people's ideas. Those who are ready to accelerate their life and realize the richer you are, the less you touch money. If somebody tell you that they're going to give you $100 million and it's not a wire transfer, they're lying. The higher you get up in money, you don't even touch it or see it. So it really is about the management of ideas, managing ideas to make money and managing ideas in order for you to know who you are. That's what it really is. So the cheapest thing I have is money. What's most important is, is my mind. I, if, here, if, for anyone that's listening, anything that you can't pay for with a thought, you can't afford. <laughs> oh, say that again. Say that again. Anything that you can't pay for with a thought, you can't afford. So people laugh all the time and talk about, uh, you know, being able to buy things. I don't purchase mm -hmm. anything that I don't create something, create an idea and a system within my business that pays for something I want. Your mm -hmm. life should be free. You, if you can't afford it with a thought, you can't afford it. So what, I, what I'm saying about this is, when I, if I want a car, I'm not going to go and buy a car without, think, without thinking an idea that generates the income to pay for the car. So I have, I have, I have some affiliate stuff going on. I have multiple, multiple programs that teaches people how to grow and scale their business online. We do everything from automation, digital marketing, sales, you name it. So one, one idea, one deal that automated it. I recorded a course once. The mm -hmm. rest of my stuff is live. I recorded this course one time. With that, I sat down. It took me two and a half hours to do it. I mapped out all the stuff we're doing, screen share templates. It's a do-it-yourself. It is $1,500. I said, I'm going to push hard on the front end. I'm going to be very transparent. So I'm going to push hard on the front end. My company, I wanted to buy myself another Tesla for Atlanta. I got one in South Florida. I wanted one for Atlanta. I said, if I don't make on the front end in the first month enough to pay for the, for the, the payment for the car for the whole year, I'm not going to get it. Launched it. It made enough for the whole year. I put it in an account and did auto draft for the payment for the car. So a thought paid for it. 
That's huge. You see what wow. I'm saying? That's yeah, I see that. That's wow. what I'm trying to get people to, to be creators, not consumers. We fight to buy other people's ideas. All the but time. We, yeah. Wow. But you, you, were, you were going to say something else after that. Were, no, were you... I was just going to reiterate. If it, okay. if, if it costs more, the new mindset, if it costs more than a thought, more, more than what you can afford with a thought, you can't afford it. If it costs more than a thought, you can't afford it. That's crazy. Okay. Um, I have, um, well, we all know that there's a pandemic that is happening. Uh, well, actually, there's a pandemic that's been hitting us for, for years and maybe decades. So I wanted to know if you could break down for us, how is it possible to break the paycheck pandemic? Hey, I'm going to say this, brother. I like you, man. <laughs> hey, it, is, it is rare someone has combed through and did their research and like, Really went through went through my info, man. You know the quality. I pride myself on the pro on the quality of the thoughts that I put out. So like yeah. when you're thinking about that's a thought, right? When yes. you think about you know uh, mental real estate and all those things, those are thoughts that are put out into this ecosystem. So for anybody who's listening, uh, I believe that we have been in a pandemic for a long time, and that pandemic is the paycheck pandemic, where people live paycheck to paycheck or less than paycheck to paycheck. And when we think about that, that's more dangerous than coronavirus has ever been. Because when we think about coronavirus made us social distance. Well, when we think about the African-American community, the paycheck pandemic has made African-American men social distance from their children and from their families. When we think about, uh, you, you, you open this can of worms, so we got to yeah, go. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> so when we think about this whole, what I refer to as a paycheck pandemic, not the pandemic of coronavirus or COVID, and that's not to shy away from it like it's not real, but it is to say we've overlooked a greater pandemic, a pandemic that now I don't believe that any person made the willful decision that I want to sell dope and go to prison. They made it because of the paycheck pandemic that their environment created for them that I need money. Nobody said, I just want to strip and give my body away. Nobody makes a person prostitute from that context. It is the idea of money and sustainability. The paycheck pandemic has literally turns crime. People don't just, when they're a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? A criminal. No. <laughs> the, the decision was made because society has forced people living under the structure of a paycheck pandemic to struggle to survive. So now they are having to social distance from normal behavior and having to turn their life into something else. So where I believe school has failed us, where I believe government has failed us, where I believe life, and even as a pastor, church has failed us, we have given people inspiration without the information to actually generate income. When we're talking about school, school teaches us how to get jobs, but it doesn't teach it, it doesn't teach us skill set or mindset. So can I let me say this. For yes. anybody listening, here's what I believe. I believe the number one skill there's four skills that every person must learn. The number one skill is how to get money. That has nothing to do with a job. When I say get money, there's two types. You've got earned income and you got pass and you've got passive income. I'd rather make less money from passive income that I didn't work for than earned income. Most Americans, when they need more money, get another job because all they're taught is to trade their time for money. That's earned income. You, you can't give earned income to your kids. Earned mm -hmm. income robs you of being able to spend time with your family. So now you'll work a day job and a night job to take care of your family, but you're forced to social distance. See this whole pay, yeah. paycheck <laughs> pandemic. So every person must learn 
how to generate, how to get money. That is the ability to be able to take ideas and exchange them for money. The number one, that's the number one skill set. When I'm talking about getting money, most people, be honest, don't know how to get money. They know how to borrow it. They know how to get a job, but they don't know how to generate money. Second skill that every person must learn is the ability to spend money. When I say spend, I'm not talking about buying clothes, shoes, handbags, cars. That deals with investments. Most people have a $1,200 cell phone, but have never invested $1,200 on anything that gives them a return on investment, ever. I've got people who would think $100 is a lot of money for education. If you charge $100 for what we're teaching right now, people might say, ah, I don't know. But right now they have something that costs $100 that makes them no money. So I'll give a very good example. Spending money is where you learn to enjoy it, but you also learn to balance. Am I throwing my money backwards, up, or forward? Does the thing I just purchased have any future return on investment for me? So when I'm talking about this, this skill set that a person must learn at rest, in reference to wealth, in reference to finance, we've got to start thinking about attached to what I just spent. Is it, is it momentary? Is it cultural? Have I, have I learned to balance these things? And then the third skill. So the first skill is how to get money. Second skill, how to spend it. Third skill is how to save it. Some people do great at saving, bad at spending. Some, and then the fourth skill is giving money. If you learn these four skills how to get money, how to spend money, how to save money, and how to give money away. That's a comprehensive education surrounding wealth. Most people don't have all four skills. They have one or the other, and it prevents them from building a life that really changes everything for them. So that's what I'm about, man, educating people from a wealth standpoint comprehensively. How do you get money? Other than a job, if you don't shoot basketball, you don't play an instrument, that's what I help people do, monetize online. Yeah, but you said giving money. So when you're talking about giving money, are you talking about like tithing or are you talking about just giving money to help people in general? I think comprehensively. I, I do believe in tithe, but here's what I will say. I don't know any person that's stingy that has a lot. Hmm. I don't know a single yeah. person that's stingy that has a lot. So I, I, I laugh about it all the time. There is a common thread of, of uh, philanthropy and of giving that is connected to every person I know that has a lot. And here's the funny part. The person with $1 thinks that thinks the person with a million dollars should give more. The person with $10 think the person with a hundred should give more. When the real reality is the person with $1 has a penny, person with a hundred dollars has a dollar. You should give on your level. You don't wait until you have to give. Mm. Giving, giving is an emotional thing that tells my life whether I believe that in the concept of scarcity. I'll tell you what I mean. When I hold on to money and I'm stingy and I'm not a giver, in essence, what I'm what I'm saying to money, because money is really just exchanged energy. What yeah. I'm saying to money is what I have is all I ever have. If I believe I'll get more, I don't have to hold on to what I have. And there are people who indirectly live with this idea of scarcity that thinks giving something away means I have less. You having more means that there's less in the world for me. That mindset surrounding scarcity prevents any person from being able to build and have more. That's That has very little to do with money. And people who, like, think on, on an emotional level. So let's take it out of the context of money. People who don't give money also don't give empathy. They also don't give forgiveness. They also don't give support. So when we're talking about the skill of giving, money is one expression of love. But forgiveness is another. Trust is another. So people who don't learn the skill of giving the same emotion that gives money is the same emotion that it gives forgiveness and empathy. 
That's mm -hmm. what I mean. All, all the things in reference to money are representations of who we are and what we believe, what our mindset is, what our heart's desires are. The person who buys these elaborate things sometimes is to pay for insecurities. Like, wow. you, know, I'm a, you know I'm a Bible guy, man. I think, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Bible guy. So I think that we live in a context that most of what we buy are modern-day fig leaves. You know, everything from the Gucci belt to the cars. If Mercedes wasn't Mercedes in our culture, Bentley wasn't Bentley in our culture, how mm -hmm. much of these things would we want if, if culture didn't tell us we sh that there were symbols of success? Yes. These are our modern-day fig leaves that we're willing to give up what is most valuable to us to have them. And here's what I think. Uh, you know, I'm not sure of your faith, but here's what I believe. I'm, I'm yes. a faith guy. Yes. Right? So here's what I believe. I believe that the true sin of Adam is not that of eating from the forbidden fruit. I believe it is the idea of he's born from a creator and rather God told him don't eat from a tree, never said don't create one. <laughs> so could it be possible that the sin is the sin of consumerism, that why consume something when you got the whole garden, you can create your own. Because it's easier to consume than it is to create. The U.S. Wow. government, and I'm going to hush after this, the U.S. government, 70% of the U.S. government is ran by consumption. 70%. Mm -hmm. The moment it drops consistently under that 70%, we move towards a depression or a recession. So if you notice, every two months, there is some made-up commercial holiday to stimulate consumerism. You're going to have, of course, you got, you got right now, you got Halloween. Then you're going to have Thanksgiving. Then you're going to have Christmas. Then you're going to have Valentine's Day in February. You're going to have Easter that rolls after that. You're going to have Fourth of July. You're going to have Memorial Day. You're going to have Labor Day. Every two months, you have to be a consumer for it to run. When you break out of consumerism and learn to create, you realize there is a freedom that comes from it because now you realize, like even Black Friday, it's, it's a jungle online. You, eat, you either the hunted or the hunter. If you don't have nothing to sell to generate income to be able to pay for your pleasures, you're the hunted. You've been eaten mm -hmm. alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've been eaten alive. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's just like, usually, like, I take quotes from, from, uh, from the conversation, but, man, I think you've been dropping gems since the beginning, and it, it's, it's real, man. It's consumerism. It's something that is real and we don't even notice it like it, it becomes so normal it just gets in the flow of, of our lives and we're like yeah we're used to it and but yeah it's it's mad real so true. um one of the questions here's a question that i received on instagram uh how can i learn to charge money for my ideas so i guess you have an idea but you don't know how to charge for it how do we how do we figure that part out gotcha I will say it's a tough question without knowing the context of what they're selling and all that. So I'll take a stab at it. But I'm let's say it's a service uh, like uh, that person is offering a service uh, to to different people online. Okay. Um, how do you how do you prepare to be able to charge for your services? So here's here's what I believe. I believe that any person who is selling a product or a service, and, I, and here my context: if you're selling product, service, etc. Nobody wants money for the purpose of money. They want money for what money can, can provide for them. So if people want more money, they want freedom, et cetera. It is the same when you're selling a service. So if you say, I have an idea, how do I start charging? The question has to be asked before you can charge is how much does it cost a person if they, if what you provide, how much does it cost them if they don't buy it? So I'll give an example. To a person who has a toothache, a dentist, no matter what they charge, is a necessity. How much does it cost them if they don't get their tooth fixed? 
So the dentist solves a high-level problem. Yeah. Does it make sense? When we're talking about if your car breaks down and your car is your means of getting to work, it is not about how much it costs for the mechanic to fix your car. It is the value of the car is high, is high enough because it means something to me because it's my means of generating income and moving around. So the way you think about how you start charging is you start thinking about a specific group of people and how it is that what you provide solves a problem. You do not sell products, services, books, or intangibles. You sell solutions to problems. When you understand that, the higher the problem, the bigger the problem, the bigger the paycheck. In the words of Biggie, <laughs> more, more problems, more money. Right? Yes. Remix, more problems, more money. Yeah. So although we are equally loved by our parents, although we're equally loved by God, we're not equally loved or supported or add the same value to our industries. So it does not mean that a doctor is more important than, than the person at Subway. But the surgeon solves a bigger problem than the sandwich man. I can replace the sandwich guy. Hmm. So, so let me say this. Can I teach a concept really quick? Go ahead. Go ahead. We got time. Go ahead. Okay. So for anybody who's listening, law, law of compensation. Law of compensation. Law of compensation really speaks to the idea and thought that here's, here's how it flows. Speaks to the idea and the thought that the first prerequisite of compensation is where it is the need for the thing that you do. That's the number one. How great is the need for what you do? If, I, if I'm the only shoe salesman in, in, an, in an entire town, or if I live in Poduck, Indiana, right? I'm making up a, a town. <laughs> And nobody sells Jordans. If I've got Jordans, immediately the price goes up. So how big is the need for my industry or, or, or for my niche? Number two, number two, number two, it is the level of skill that I have to be able to produce that result with that service or that skill, right? So yeah. if you say, how efficiently? Somebody else says it's six weeks to teach you how to build a course. I tell you I can do it for you in one week. My first program was called Your 30-Day Book. Everyone else took 90 days to teach you how to write a book. I showed you how to do it and publish it in 30 days. So that skill set immediately increased my income. Yeah. When we talk about yeah. making money online, I show people how to generate income online in less than six weeks. So that's number two. Number three, the, the degree of difficulty to replace you. Hmm. The law of compensation is those three. The need for your industry or what you provide the level of skill you have associated with what you do and the degree of difficulty to replace you or find someone that does what you do. If you have those three, compensation is inevitable. So you, all you now have to do is start marketing. You just need more people to see what you do and the, and the more effectively you can do that. You don't have a business without marketing and sales, which is what my company does. We build online automated marketing and sales systems for hmm. entrepreneurs, influencers, for coaches, for them to now get in front of more people, generate more income. So that's what I would say for the person in short who says, how do I start charging? You, if you just slap a price and start charging, you're going to be selling price. You're not selling solution to problem. You first have to figure out what is the problem I'm solving? What is the problem worth determines the price? Hmm. Wow. Wow. Okay. That, that makes perfect sense. And that's real. Someone said, uh, I think, uh, my man, Max said he's teaching, teaching. That's true, man. <laughs> that is true. Um, you said, um, one thing that, okay, actually I want to, to, um, to pick your brain a little bit. Um, <laughs> there's a, I'm, I'm going to read you a quote and, uh, I just want to have your, your input on, on that quote. All right. So a wise man said, 
uh, December 10th, 2014. All right. <laughs> Yeah. Being loyal, being loyal to people does not require being friends with them. Can you tell me if you still believe that? And can you tell me what, what, what does that mean to you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't have lazy loyalty. You know, if I rock with you, I'll rock with you forever. So I'm one of those people. When I say I don't have lazy loyalty, I, um, for me, love, respect, and loyalty doesn't require proximity. I can never see you again and can maintain my character and who it is, that, what you meant to me. Even if we don't talk no more, I don't rock with you like that. I'm not going to mm. alter who I am. Loyalty has more to do with what I believe at my core than the actions that you had. So you can take any action you want. I'm not going to alter for what I believe. I, I believe that every man should tell his own story. So I never tell what someone else has done or, or what they got going on. When we talk about love, respect, and loyalty, I think that if, if the only way you're loyal is if someone is in your proximity, that wasn't loyalty, that was that was convenience and companionship. So when I hear an ex, you know, when I hear two people that used to love each other now break up and talk about each other, that wasn't love, that was convenience and companionship. You know, lo love yeah. and loyalty has nothing to do with proximity. I'll say so much so that there are people who can lose a loved one and love them forever because love ain't bound by space or time. You can stay loyal to that. You know, you know what I mean? So yes. that's why I believe lo loyalty has nothing to do with proximity because you could make a bad decision that, that honestly could mean that you can't rebound. Right? You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm a big enough person to forgive anybody without an apology, but I ain't dumb enough to let you back in my space. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes. So, I, you know, I don't even need the apology and I'm not mad or angry. I'm never going to say nothing about you or let anybody else say something about you but I ain't dumb enough to invite you into my life without you acknowledging what you did. Hmm. Yeah, so the love can be real. Uh, once again, I'm a Bible dude. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, love does not boast, but the Bible don't never tell me love means seeing me every day, texting me, calling me, or proximity. Yeah. Or consistency. It don't say how often I need to talk to you or how close I need to be to you. <laughs> true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you said that um, leadership is a journey to invite people uh, to discover themselves while they follow you. Yeah. Why yeah. do you think it's important as a leader for people that are following you to discover themselves? Um, because I think that if somebody follows you and you never let them discover themselves, they will eventually copy you. But when they copy you and don't get the same results that you get, they'll rival you. I'll say that again. They'll... So if somebody is following you as a leader and they never discover themselves, all they see is you, and they start secretly wanting to be you to do this, get the same results that you're getting. They want people to respond to them the way they respond to you. If that happens too long, they will start rivaling you, that they will now not collaborate with you. You now are secretly their competition, but they won't dare compete with you head on because they realize the little skill they have, you taught them. <laughs> So, right. they, so in their head, they are competing with someone that they realize that they can never compete with. So they never have win. to. So what they have to do is they won't get in the ring and box. What they have to do is they've got to slip something in your drink so you never get in the ring. <laughs> they they won't they won't you know they won't get on the court and play against you. They have to secretly do something to your shoe so you don't play so they get your opportunity, because mm. they realize they cannot compete with you. This is why leadership is so important. Because it's only so long that a person can follow you and see you win, and they never even get a chance to play. It's, it's only so, it's, it's inevitable. It's human nature. I know plenty of people who try to build their team with people who secretly, 
like I'm a speaker, I'm a coach, I'm an author. I wouldn't build my team with people that want to be speakers and coaches because they want what I have. Mm. They don't want to work with me. They want to learn from me so they can do what I do. If that's the case, you ought to pay me and let me teach you. <laughs> you ought to be a mentee. <laughs> you ought to be yeah. a client. You're not a part of my team. That's what I think people make the misconception of leadership, that people need to think the same as you, that people need to look the same as you. Nah, I like to visit what I'm not. Mm. I, I'm not I, I am certain things. I'm high level. I'm a high level efficient guy. I'm, pro, I'm productive. If I have that thing in my head that if we say we're going for a 20-mile jog and I don't think I got the endurance for 20 miles, I'm either going to do it or you're going to pick me up on the side of the road. I'm hmm. that guy that said that got in multiple accidents. You got to think, bro, if I show you my knee, I tore my ACL and MCL in school. I played all year long with a torn ACL, torn MCL, and ended up ended up literally messing up my patella pad as well and had to, had to at certain points, lift my leg and got defense and got ended up getting MVP. I'm, I'm mentally that guy. I'm the guy that got in, mul got in multiple car accidents, horrible car accident. The moment the cash came off my wrist, I said, I've always wanted to write a book. I'm going to write a book. I wrote my first book, Win the Day in 10 Days. I went on to write 23 books in three months. What I am is a person who loses. Now, hear this. Some people hear it and get impressed. It's not. I know me. I lose passion quickly for things that I'm not. Like certain things, I can do it in bursts. But, I, but I've but struggled with longevity. So if you tell me to write a book over a year, I couldn't do that. Hmm. Man, we're going to take a year and do the research. I couldn't do that. But I can do it in two days. I can do it in three days. So I know me. So what I do is I got to put on my team people that don't mind keeping me on track for the long term. Hey, man, so you know at the end of the year, this, 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 because I can get it done. I can put it out. Mm -hmm. What you want by next week? Bet. I just I just announced other than putting out two ebooks before the before the, before December. They say, have you wrote it yet? No, nah, but it'll be out. If I say it, it's gonna be done. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I have to build a team that discover themselves while they follow me, that they discover that the, here's a good example for anybody who's listening. In order for any of us to have ever loved or enjoyed Beyonce, let me listen to this. There must be a producer a songwriter, hairstylist, lighting, TV, packaging, distribution, a club, a promoter who to promote the show. Do you realize how many people are connected to her success? But what happens if the person who shines the light, instead of falling in love with how the light shines, thinks he would love to stand in the light? <laughs> this is people's problem. They don't realize that they need to be in the arena with accompanying gifts and talents and abilities that you can partner with people. Like some people aren't CEOs. They're not entrepreneurs. They're entrepreneurs. They can manage yeah. the idea of an entrepreneur. If we learn that Steve Jobs was, is an entrepreneur, only one time for a small window of time was he the CEO of Apple. When he was, the company went down the tank. The moment they fired him as CEO and put another CEO, the company soared. Why? Because he's an idea guy. He can think the iPad. He can think the Apple. But he can't think about how to get it into market. Should it be exclusive mm -hmm. with AT&T? People's greatest problem with their business is some of them are entrepreneurial idealists. They're great with ideas. They're great with innovation. They're horrible with implementation of sales systems. So they got a great product, but no money because they don't know how to run the operation. Hmm. That's wow, what they, that, <laughs> Yeah. That's so true. Like I've been saying 
for so long that not everybody's called to be an entrepreneur because there, there's a way that being an entrepreneur is cool, this and that, but not everybody is called to do that. Like we need to know our position within, within our gifts, within our talent and maximize on that. But it's, yeah, you, you've totally, totally nailed it, man. Yeah, Max Bupese said, get his course. You won't regret You won't regret it. How can we get your course, though? Yeah, absolutely. So you, here's what we can do. You can go to uh, monetizewithmarcus.com. Monetizewithmarcus.com. That's one of the best ways to contact me. Uh, okay. www.monetizewithmarcus.com. I'll type that in right now. All right. Yeah. Monetizewithmarcus.com. I will be very transparent. Oh, shoot. It did spaces. Hold on. I'm trying to get it right. Monetize. Monetize with Marcus.com. There we go. So monetizemarcus.com. If you go that route, yeah. Uh, two things. Uh, I have a mentorship program. That's one. That they I meet with them every week. The mentorship is for people who are new or aspiring entrepreneurs. This is not for people who have who are further along have made more than 5K a month. I set it up to build the foundation for people who are trying to learn how do I make money online? Like, how do I, how do I package my idea? How do I find my audience? How do I turn this social media thing beyond post into actually income generation? That's what I teach them. But I teach them basic level foundation. That's the mentorship. The other side of that is I have a boot camp where people work with me for six weeks to literally build out their entire online business. Everything that is my business, I give it away to them in six weeks and implement it with them. So this is everything from course from course creation, email marketing, sales funnels. I give them my social media strategy. We talk about sales structure. We talk about a comprehensive online business that's broken up into three parts and we build the systems they need to in order to run it and automate their business. That is specifically for people who are looking to make $10,000 or more a month. We, it's an application. We interview. So that is for people who say, man, I'm trying to on autopilot do 10K a month or 20K a month that, from an aspirational standpoint. And they have to be willing to sell something for $1,000 or more. Uh, you, so you one, got, one item for $1,000 or more, that's it? Okay. Yeah, we, show them, okay. Yeah, we show them how to do it. We show them how to okay. do it, give them the whole system, you name it. So we walk them through every part of what is my business. Here's the dope part. I log into the back of my business, which no one does. And show and step by step show them how to implement it in theirs. Every oh. piece, yeah. The marketing strategies, you name it, the the automation, all right there. So that's the boot camp, and then the highest level of working with me is from a consulting standpoint and a one on one. Uh, all of those are application based. Why? Because we only take ten people in our group programs because we build it all out. One on one, I only take five people, and I'm very selective because I realize what it is that we do for people and their ability to generate money online, I don't want to work with scammers. So you can't, go to, you can't go on any part of my businesses. You can't go to any of them and just select something. You can't just go buy it. You can't just go buy my course. We interview you. It's an application process oh, okay. to, you know, to ensure that it is the best fit for you and to ensure that, that I want to hear your goal. If you say, I only want to make 6K or 2K, well, I'll give you some advice and some free content for that, or you can be in a mentorship, but I'm not working with somebody who want to make $2,000. It's not, here's the reason why. You're not going to be able to leave your job for $2,000. So you can't pay all your attention to your clients. So you just want money. And I'm not working with people that just want money. I, want, I work with people who are wanting to really solve problems for people. I work with people who genuinely have 
have an idea that they want to package, market, and sell online, and we show you how to automate it. So people ask me, how do you live in Fort Lauderdale and in Atlanta? I can live anywhere in the world. Because <laughs> right now, you probably heard binging going on while we're on here. Mm-hmm. My business is running. <laughs> yeah, my business is running. And that's what we give give to people. So to anybody who has course, program, digital product, and they say, I'm sick of posting on social media. I don't know how to build a business. That's what we, we really t- take serious, helping them take that idea, turn it into a comprehensive online business. And when you hear me say the word automate, I'm talking about what happens if, if, you, if a person decided they want to work with you. It shouldn't be in your DMs asking you. You ought to be able to send them through a process. And, it, and your system should work for you. When, hmm. like, when you think about Netflix, you never dealt with a sales associate. You went to Netflix, you purchased, and you got access. That's, that's a billion-dollar sales funnel. Yeah. When, when, Amazon, here's some of the stuff we build for those who are unfamiliar with the space. You ever been trying to add something to your cart on Amazon? You didn't finish checking out. You get an email. Hey, we noticed you were checking out, but you didn't finish. Hmm. That's an abandoned cart sequence. We build that for, for people. Yeah. When you ever, you, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, that's how the internet works. Yeah. <laughs> so we build what you need for the internet to work for you to market to your customers and clients, and it's all automated. Nobody at Amazon sent you an email. The system triggered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nobody, at Redbox, nobody at Redbox sent you anything. The system triggered. Did it automatically. Yeah. So you don't hire. Now you don't have to hire staff. You hire a system. And the systems make you money forever. Yeah. Whew, okay. So, all right. We. I'll put. Um. Uh, once I post also this live, I'll put the link to uh, to your website so people can uh, can join yeah, in and, and, and that that apply. I sent that that I sent them to. It's a free video training. It break this one is seven minutes, one is twenty five minutes. It's absolutely free. You can watch that video and it breaks down. Seven minute one is just me in front of uh, me teaching. Underneath it is a twenty five minute screen share. While I walk you through it, if you think it's for you and you really need help with that, we offer uh, for some people, based upon application, a complimentary monetization session with myself and my team where I get on the phone with you and see where you are and where you might be leaving money on the table. I give you the strategy. Run and, run and do something with it. If it's a good fit, excuse me. If it's a good fit, I offer you to work with us. If it's not, you got the strategy to run and, run and go build your business. It's not about money for me. No, that's real. Yeah. That's real. Um, can you explain a little bit the pro, uh, the process behind uh, your book, Win the Day? Like, can you break down what does it mean to win the day? Oh, man, you ask it. Listen, man, you can interview me anytime. This is phenomenal. <laughs> You've done your research, like, for real, for real. Probably the, one of the best interviews I've ever had, so I got to honor you for that. I Pregnant appreciate it. Pregnant Paul is, like, phenomenal, my brother. And to every person who said, got to have systems in place on that line, hey, thank you all. Like, I want to at least acknowledge the comments. I don't want to be that guy ignoring the love you're showing me. And the co- I see people do that all the time. Like, they be ignoring people. They ignore the comments. Right. It's like people showing you love and you just going to overlook them. Like, <laughs> yeah. So let me say to every person who showed love, I said, this is great or wild. Like, I don't I don't take that lightly, man. That that every comment you posted, every statement you made that, it, that celebrated a thought of mine, like, that means something. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so when the day is, man, it changed my life. So 2000, I'll give you the short story of it. Uh-huh. And 2009 going to 2010, remember my story. So I, I won big early in life, but I lost a lot. That whole, I was never successful. I just had money. I went down to $11.37 to my name. 
And I didn't know my purpose or what I was going to do in life. Told you I'm a faith guy, man. I was, I was come up in church. I was trying to figure out like, okay, maybe I need to type, but I ain't have no money. I have no money coming in. Wasn't nothing to type off for, right? <laughs> so I'm riding along, man, and I, I I truly believe wholeheartedly. I heard God speak to me, and and I'm mad at him. Like, how you let your boy go broke? You know, what I'm saying I'm, I'm before I was 21, I saw my first six figures. I had 200 some thousand dollars in the bank account. Like, what are we talking? At, to nothing, eleven dollars and thirty seven cent. And I heard that I ever ask for your money, uh, give me the type of your time. And I'm like. And it just, it was weird, bro. It sounded like my own voice. I didn't feel like I could hear from God at the time. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, I, it, it took me up. But I know what my own thought, because I was mad. I was crying. I was depressed. Didn't know what I was going to do. Couldn't feed myself. My car was behind. My bills was $10,000 a month, because I had all this real estate, but no money. So imagine $11.37, and you got to come up with 10 k plus a month. You know, and from that, I could say, here's what, what the concept is. I'm, I'm going to just make the story short. Concept behind win the day is it is where a per it is a it is where a person takes time and converts it into money. Cause the two the two things that mattered to me young in life was money and basketball. So I took that and made this competitiveness around it. So imagine, please listen, if you don't if y'all miss anything else. I took the amount of hours in a day, converted it into money. So it's tw instead of twenty four hours, every hour was worth a hundred dollars. So now the whole day is worth twenty four hundred. I said, I am gonna every day pay myself two hours and 40 minutes or $240. That became the idea. I was like, every day, when I say pay myself, what do you mean? Pay my gift. What is the thing that I'm good at? That when I do it, people pause, listen, they're enamored by it. It was speaking. Since I was a child, I had a way with words to communicate ideas. No arms, us. I'm not uncomfortable with articulating ideas and thoughts. So I said, what if I just get better at that? So, um, so for anybody, imagine if you converted time into money, whole day's worth $2,400, $100 for every hour, and you started now paying yourself off rip and saying 10% of this belongs to my gift. 10% of this belongs to my business. 10% of this belongs to my family or whatever's most important to you. Never miss a day. You can never ask somebody to pay you what you were not willing to pay yourself. So check this out. October 10th, 2010 was when I started doing this. October 10th, 2020 made 10 years of every day invested into my gift. So <laughs> when people say, man, how are you able to do this, 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 and this, or in essence, live a retired life? This ain't overnight. I've done the same thing for 10 years. How you travel to 30 countries speaking? I can speak without notes off the top of my head because I've learned how to slow my ideas down, how to organize. I still, I read like crazy. <laughs> like somebody tell me to buy these books. Yeah. It, it is that. So I'm saying to any person, anything less than two hours and forty minutes, I lost the day. And that was kind of how I got started with it, bro. And, and so I call it win the day. Anything less, I lost the day. Two hours, ten percent of the day belonged to the gift God gave me. When I didn't have money, and what happened was I increased my personal value. I can mm -hmm. reach inside of myself now and write twenty three books in three and a half months because for five years I had been living it out. Started in 2010. My first book was in 2015. Hmm. And I was and year one, 2010, I read 52 books. Year two, 67. So when you think of that much data, content that you're taking in, you're increasing your value. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So the book is the book is, is available on Amazon, right? 
It is. I tell people. I used to not tell people to go to Amazon because I like to get the whole sale. But please go to. Amazon. Oh, but we can. But we can get it on your website too, no, right? No, just go to Amazon. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to ship no books, bro. You know wanna, yeah, that's a that's a pain. That's I a pain. I don't want to ship no books. Like, there was a day in time I wanted to, but I don't want to ship no. I don't want to ship no books. Agreed. Agreed, man. All right. Well, hey. We've come to the end of the interview, man. I, I, I really want to thank you for all the jewels that you dropped, all the knowledge that you gave it and that you shared. It is really, really appreciated. And I'm a big fan and a big believer of giving people their roses while they're there and digging them up. And I really appreciate the work that you do. Uh, so, man, I will keep following you and everything that you do, man, will we'll, we'll, we'll stay posted, man. I really thank you very much for that live, man. Hey, it's an absolute honor. If I can do anything for you, man, let me know. What city are you in, too? I'm in Montreal. I'm in Canada. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, man, yeah. let's stay uh, all the way in Canada, baby. <laughs> let's, let, let's... I need to move to ATL or something or figure something out. But... <laughs> hey, say the word. And to every person, let's stay connected. To those who are not following me, follow I, yes. I hate to even use that word, but I really want to connect with you, build relationships with you. No fake love. Like, don't be no stranger. Shoot me a message. Let's connect. Let's talk. Yes, for sure. All right, so thank you very much, and uh, we'll keep in touch, man. All right, have a good one. All right, thanks, man. So. All right, guys, so that's it for this week's episode of the Man Cave Live. Listen, I think we got a lot a lot to work on, uh, a lot of gems, a lot of uh, things that we, that we have to figure out, maybe or maybe not, but I think there's a lot of great information that was given. And even myself, uh, while Marcus was talking, I was taking mental notes, and I think I'm going to review this again. But hey, if you have a business, if you if you, if you want to jump into this entrepreneurial uh, field, man, do it. Don't 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 wait it out. Take notes and believe in yourself and make it happen. So, guys, thank you, thank you very much. Uh, love, thank you, Taina, thank you very much, Rob, Roland. You guys are great, Max Pupese. Uh, let's get Nehemia Davis on the show. Hey, well, let's try to make things happen, man. But hey, everyone, thank you for tuning in, the people that are following me and the people that got in because they, they, they were following Marcus. Thank you guys for, for joining the live. And I will see you guys next week. Next week, we're going to talk about, actually, we're going to talk about uh, building up your credit and uh, putting the advantage on your end. All right. So guys, this live will be saved on my IGTV so you can review it and you can check it out. And I will see you next week. All right? Peace. That's all for this episode of The Man Cave Live. Feel free to financially show love via the Anchor platform. And I'll catch you on the next episode.